We, uh, we're starting episode 128 with High Valley. Now, before we went on, Brad asked me if he could have a copy of my new book. It's all that's down there. I'm just begging people to take them. I'm just like, please. When we walked in, I saw the whole house was covered in the books. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's made of. Yeah. (laughs) Forget hardwood flooring when you can just walk on books. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, High Valley is here, episode 128, uh, brought to us by Life Lock-In, sleep number. uh, What do you have? We were about literally, they walked in, and what I like about you guys is we can just go. Yes. And I don't want to waste any of you guys is just amazing wit and charm. <laughs> so we just wanted to hit the button. Uh, what's on your phone over there? Uh, my mom just sent me our Rempel family recording from 1988, and I have a song on it. Do you want to hear it? What's what's that? The Rempel family? You guys recorded like a song as a family? Like the, no, a whole it's, a, album. it's a whole album, man. Like the Partridge family? Uh, Do you know what that is? Yes. I've heard of them, yeah. Partridge but, in a pear No, tree. that's not really it. I don't know if you're being, if you're being funny or not. <laughs> <laughs> I have heard of the Partridge family, yes. They were before all of our time. Yeah. I was born in the 80s. I assume you guys were born in the 80s or 90s. I'm not sure how old you are. 1990. My birthday was yesterday. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So you're 28? Mm-hmm. Look at that. Yes, sir. You feel confident with your 28-year-old self? You like where you are now or no? Yeah. Yeah, I feel good about it. I've got gray temples and everything. It's crazy. How old are you, Brad? 33. Okay, so this recording's from 1988. Yes. So you weren't even born yet. I was not, no. Okay, for the, for so you're best, not in this. For the no. best quality, always play it through an iPhone into a mic. Okay, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. But how are you in this if it's 88? I was four. I, I was four Brad right? was four. Okay. Singing lead. Is that you? So what, where are? Do you remember that at all? Uh, no, but I remember performing it. I won uh, fifty bucks. I got second place in the Lacrete uh, talent contest for my age group, and I went to Home Hardware and bought a farm set with little cows and chickens and horses. Dreams coming true, man. You can hear you were kind of on in key though at four. Pretty de- honestly, I, yeah. I I just heard it driving out here because mom just emailed. I had to walk our mom how to. Through how to email an attachment, which she did very well. Congratulations, mom. Good job, mom. And um, you think she'll listen to this? Of course she will. Yes. Oh yeah. Especially if you play that part. Are you going to cut that out or keep it? Oh, everything goes up. There we go. Yeah, there's no editing on this. She's listening. I like that. So let me run through a couple songs real quick because I definitely want to get back and and talk to people that don't know you guys. Uh, so here is "She's with Me" from High Valley. Sounds familiar. Give me a little more volume in my ears on that one. There we go. Can you guys hear that over there? Oh, yeah, man. It's the first time we've done this with two people, by the way, ever. We Dude. waited. There are other people that wanted to come in. You're the, I promised you guys months ago that as soon as we get two microphones, yeah, you're the you first did. one. Uh, here's uh, Make You Mine. Did you get the second microphone on uh, Amazon Prime? Got it on. I got the dash. I need so many microphones. It's one of that button you just put over the toilet oh. paper. Yeah. And send it to you. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Uh, there's that one. That's a good one. How, uh, how, how high that one go? It went top 20 somewhere in the teens. Okay, so you don't know exactly. You're not that dialed in to well, know. Yeah, but there's so many different charts. Which one do you That's want? True. Yeah. So what about She's With Me, though? That one went to? Seven. That's crazy. It was the number one song. It, it was a number one caliber song. If Thank you, you. If you. that same song would have been, and don't take this in a weird way, 
if it would have been anyone that would have had hits prior, that would have been a number one song. That's not offensive at all. We you, totally understand. Yeah, you, I, and I think we talked about this because we were in uh, Denver, and I was like, guys, this is a great song. You're being penalized because all these big artists are at the same chart at the same time. Yeah, you know, any and obviously we want to go number one. We really do. Everybody does. But we truly don't have to like pretend. We actually were quite thrilled that we had a song go in the top ten and hang out there oh, for, I'm sure. I don't know, months. It was there for a long time. I'm sure people sing it back, both of those songs, oh, right? Big time, Especially yeah. in the last couple months, it's like the volume of singing back gets louder every week. And also, there's some money to be made once you get in the top 10. You know, you're finally starting to make a little bit of money. And I don't know how much of that you guys are getting outside of your publishing. So did you guys make any money from that yet? Yeah, Make Your Mind actually made a lot of money because it was on the charts for 56 weeks. Yeah. So um, I bought a swimming pool. I was swimming in it today. You're not kidding. Not at all. You made enough money to buy a swimming pool. Yeah. But who'd you write that with? Uh, my buddies, Ben Stennis and Seth Mosley. Ben uh, lives a few houses down, so whenever we're not home, his family swims in the pool. I didn't Sometimes we even hang out with them at the same time. I wonder the dynamic, because here you are, brothers, and you're, you're bandmates, and you're, the song that you wrote is a single, so you're making songwriter money, too, but you're not. That's correct. That's got to be a, a, a slightly weird dynamic, because he's getting paid a little more for it. Uh, I think you could make it weird if you wanted to, but if people talked about it in interviews and make it, weird. you know, we, well, it, no, it's just an honest thing. I wonder sometimes because I'll give you an example. Uh, the guys from Little Big Town. Mm -hmm. Sometimes one or two of them will be in a right, and not all four of them. And then it's got to be weird whenever you go into deciding what the single's going to be yeah. or what song's going to go to radio because yeah. that's real life dollars. Yeah, that would be if Curtis wrote two and we were like picking between one of mine and one of his. That would definitely be. I don't write, so I think that probably helps a you lot. You don't write. Correct. Are you being serious? Yeah. You're the sarcastic one, Curtis. I never know if you're, t you're messing with me or not. I am sarcastic, but I also do not write, and that is the truth is about me. Is that right? Yeah. So it doesn't bother you then. You're probably happy that he wrote it. Yeah, we listen, I mean, we, we listen to outside songs all the time, and I almost never like outside songs. I like Brad's songs. Look at you two. It's the nicest thing. Uh, yeah. Pretty nice thing, for real. So really, you don't you don't sit and uh, write. I've tried, and um, it's a very uncomfortable thing for me to do. And I know most songwriters would probably say, "Well, it was uncomfortable for all of us." But um, yeah, I, I honestly I thought about ho hobbies for years, and I tried to figure out which one was for me. And I tried to write songs, and it was just never comfortable. And then one day I built a table, and it was the best day of my life. So I just keep building tables instead of writing songs. I'm fascinated with this because you're quite good musically. Like, I watch you. I watch you play. And you play the, the little thing. Yeah. What's that called? I play the little thing. Yeah. Uh, Let's call it a mandolin we, as yeah, fast as it, possible. Yeah. <laughs> you play the little thing. You, you're, uh, you're quite efficient on that. Thank so you. So you obviously have the... the whatever that is in the brain, to create musically. Isn't that, in a way, writing, too? Okay, so what? You don't write words. But come on, you sit down. Musically, you can't write melodies. You can. You can. Maybe I can. Yeah. yeah. He's maybe got a swimming pool now. Maybe, maybe you guys should write. Yeah. Oh, I'll write. I won't write well, but I'll write. I'll write everything. Cool, yeah. I, I'll write, too, but I, I, I won't Who's calling you right now? Sorry, man. This is, my phone's vibrating this whole table. Anybody cool? You guys have any cool friends yet? No. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> yes. Uh, this was just our uh, our uh, sound engineer, our, our production, production manager. manager. Wow. That's cool. Sorry. Who's that? Who's who's your guy? Paul. 
Chambliss. Yeah, Chambliss. I'm still trying to learn how to huge, say his last huge name. Huge fan of his work. Yeah. Yeah, Thank yeah, you. yeah. He's a good guy. Thanks a lot. Uh, <laughs> as, are you guys cool in Canada? Um, what do you mean by how cool? cool? Like, like meaning, Shania Twain? Cool? No, 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 no. And like I'm being Drake? I'm being serious because if I go to, no, okay, I'll use Nashville, or if I go to Austin, or if yeah. I go to Tampa or Boston, I'm cooler there than if I go walk down the street in San Francisco. Yeah, mm-hmm. because show's not on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't have any. And they don't like country music there. So when I say, "Are you cool in Canada?" I, in Arkansas, that's that's where I'm from. They're proud of me there. I'm proud to be from Arkansas. I am their son because yeah. I'm able to go and represent who they are. So when I say that, that in no way is that a a jab at you guys. Like, are you cool no, in no. Canada? Because people ask me, "Are you cool in Arkansas?" And I'm like, "Heck yeah, I'm super cool in Arkansas. I love <laughs> it. I'm going to be the governor of Arkansas." <laughs> so are and, you actually? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I did read something yeah, no, no, about I'm you. I'm not kidding. I, I awesome. say this all the time. I'm going to be the governor, and I might be the president of America. Except it's I not called like president that. of America. It's called president of the United States. That okay. being said, are you, <laughs> are you cooler in Canada, meaning will the show sell more? Yeah. Will, if you, can you do bigger TV appearances? Can you walk down the street in certain areas that are big? And they're like, oh, there they are. Yeah. Brad uh, and Curtis. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say that's the case. Although we've had more TV exposure in the United States than we ever have in Canada. Yeah, I would say Boston, Orlando, and Minneapolis would all be bigger. And Chicago, bigger crowds, bigger tickets, bigger everything for High Valley than any Canadian city. After those four, uh, it would start... You know, here, the- I pulled it, I pulled it up. Our top cities by audience. There is one Canadian city in the top ten, and it is in eighth place. But to be fair, again, I put Arkansas in mind, but there's not a lot of population there. Right. So you're looking at just data. I'm talking about per capita. Yeah. How cool are you? Where, so per capita, the coolest, the most airport like autographs and signatures would happen either in like Minneapolis or Canadian cities. Maybe Minneapolis, Boston, and Canadian cities. I was looking at a map of Canada because I'm on in 10 cities in Canada now and, and, and growing. And so the show's on in 10 cities in Canada. I went to Canada, by the way. You guys are super nice. I just associate all of you together. You guys are all... I mean, <laughs> Thank you. It's Thank you on us. behalf of all of the nation. Oh, I'm t- I went up there and never felt so warm and welcome. Like I was on my phone. And I'm in Toronto, which is as American as it gets for Canada. And it's still yeah. clean and people are nice. I got my phone. I got my phone out. I'm kind of lost. Looking at the GPS. Someone comes up to me and goes, hey. And I think they're going to rob me. No. They're just wondering where I'm trying to go because they're going to help me with their human <laughs> brain. And I'm like, wow. That's awesome. I was inside this restaurant and they took us because um, Rogers Media, who, yeah. who owns a bunch of radio stations up there. They, they syndicate our show. And I'm up there and I don't know. I don't know. There's a fancy restaurant where you can't pull your phones out because apparently the Canadian uh, celebrities hang out there. What do I know? Was it the Soho House or something else? Is that what it was? It was? Okay, have you heard of that? I've been there for breakfast, man. The okay. day we wrote IBUB, we had breakfast there. So I'm in there, right? Little do I know you can't pull out your phone. And little do I care, because I'm going to be me. I'm an yeah. idiot. And I got my phone, and I'm just looking at just little, saying little Instagrams, probably like sending people messages, being funny, you know what I mean? Da, 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 da. And I look over, and it's the dude from Shit's Creek. The, uh, yeah, yeah. The son. I've, I've not watched Shit's Creek, but I know about it. Oh, I thought you guys, I thought it was like your national show. You know, everybody. Um, uh, Bill, our, our uh, TM watches it all the time. Yeah, he really does. It's super funny. And uh, so I start, I start recording on my phone. Yeah. And they dropped a hammer. They're like, hey, phone, get to take the phone down. I was like, did they gonna... do it nicely and politely, though, or not? Well, he didn't like that I was. It, it was uh, uh, Levy. Was it, you know his name? Andrew Levy? No. It, it was uh, the guy from 
Who cares? Anyway, Canada Canada rules. <laughs> Canada rules. Oh man. And then uh, would you ever come to our home? I'm actually serious right now. Would my, you ever come to our hometown? Here was my point in all of that is that I was looking at the population of Canada because I've started to be a bit curious about the dynamics of how the country runs. Yeah. What is it like 38 million? Um, yeah, it is in the 30s, right? And I like Justin Trudeau. Like I think I like that dude. Um, he talks to my heart sometimes. Uh, and so he wears a lot of red. He does. And so I was looking at the population. And so you break Canada into four, you put it into equal fourths, like where you're from, all that land up there. Nobody lives there. Nobody. You can go hours without seeing a store. That's where our hometown is in that part of Canada. It's, yeah. it's way up there. Like when you look at the yeah. Canadian map, it's like the cold part where you go, who in the world would live up there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to fuel up because when you leave um, – Slave Lake, Alberta, which is about five hours south of us. It's called Slave Lake, Alberta. Yeah. Is that a town? Yeah. It's the worst town I've ever heard. Yes. And one, <laughs> there's one gas station in those five hours. Between they can't the, change the name of that town from Slave Lake? <laughs> I don't yeah, think so. I mean, no Why one goes, hey, uh, mayor, mayor of Slave Lake, we should probably change the name of this town. <laughs> Do you know that there's an area called Lesser Slave Lake as well? Mm. Yeah, I'm not it's sure not why. not quite as I literally never thought of that until you brought it up. Hmm. Now I feel guilty and awkward. Okay, we're going to reset. Let me talk about LifeLock for one second. So wishing someone happy birthday on social media may seem innocent enough, but fraudsters can piece together information from various places to hack accounts. Once they do that, they can snatch sensitive data, including payment info. And social media is a great way to connect, but there's also a lot of information out there. That's the deal. Information, all of a sudden, your information, criminals get it good thing, at least for me and probably for you, that LifeLock Identity Theft Protection adds the power of Norton Security to help protect you against threats to your identity and your devices that you can't easily see or fix on your own. If you have a problem, their agents will work to fix it. No one can stop every cyber threat, prevent all identity theft or monitor transactions at all businesses, but new LifeLock with Norton Security is able to uncover threats that you might otherwise miss. Go to lifelock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK and use the promo code BONES for an extra 10% off for your first year. That's the promo code BONES for an extra 10% off. Okay, so I want to go in and I want to talk about you, you guys growing up because we met. I was super fascinated with you guys. We talked about you guys living in a remote part of Canada way up there. And yeah. so tell me about your house and what was – if you walked outside, what would you see? Um, our yard was, it was a, it was a seven acre yard inside the trees. But if you included the border of trees around our yard, it was eight acres and it was kind of split in half the Western half. If you included the whole trees, it was 320 acres. Oh yeah. Yeah. There was farm, like a field around our yard as well. And did you guys farm the land yourself? Yeah. Yeah. And what did you have on the farm? Uh, we grew wheat with a hard tea on the end and uh, canola. Those were the main two crops. Every now and then there would be like oats or barley or alfalfa. Or How would you grow wheat when it's that cold all the time? It doesn't. The sun doesn't go down in the summer, so you get all that extra sunlight for a few months. Like right now, it would be as bright as it is in your house until about midnight. So in your life, the normal thing to you was in the summer the sun didn't go down. Correct. Not while we were awake, anyway. It might dip like during it, it, the night. It goes below the horizon in like June 21st is the longest day of the year, right? So on June 21st, the sun dips below the horizon for, I don't know. An hour, maybe. Maybe an hour. And that's normal to you. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, you can go play basketball at midnight. Like call your buddies up and go hang out and 
play sports late at night, which we did all the time. I went to Iceland. Never been to Iceland. Never been really been anywhere. But oh, I, that's, that's the first like time I've dream. experienced that where the sun stays up. And yeah. it, for like an hour and a half, it just goes down and comes right back up. And you're what like, time of year were you there? Uh, whenever the sun stayed up. So I guess it would be summer. summer. Yeah. I've never been to Iceland. I'd love to. But yeah, that would be the general concept of how it was growing up. And it was cold all the time or no? Um, it was, uh, it would, it would get warm during the day in the summer, but I mean, the difference between night and day was like, I don't know, typically it, it would fluctuate like yeah. 40 degrees. It still gets really cold even on a hot day. It'll get down to like 45 at night on the, the, in the hottest part of the year. And that's not. So weird. today the low is 49 degrees. You're talking about Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. In the summertime. And the high is 61. Okay, that's not so bad in the summer then. I just think of it being like a blizzard, like, like Eskimos all the time. <laughs> not well, quite. I mean, there's a large part of the year that's like that. So when it gets winter, though, is it, it's dark the whole time. Pretty much, yeah. How does your body react? Because, again, it's normal to you, but with it being daytime, how do you go to sleep? What's up with that clock inside it you? Is, for me, it was always hard to go to bed in the summer because, yeah, the sun was out. It was time to go outside and play basketball or... Our family was like that, though, too. Like, until I met my wife, I, I never got into the lifestyle of going to bed early, waking up early. Our family was really, wouldn't you say? Like, even now, mom and dad come to visit, and they're staying awake later than my wife and I. They're like, we're checking our watches at midnight, and they're, like, still wide awake. And then in the, summer, in the winter, that was dark all the time. So is everybody sad in the winter? Like, it just seems like if it's dark and cold all the time? <laughs> Apparently, there is a lot of depression the further north you go, um, just statistically. But, I mean, personally, I... I can't. Our town specifically is yeah, pretty happy, pretty happy place. I don't even know that I knew what a Mennonite was, to be honest with you, until you guys came to the show. Yeah, you're not not alone. I'm still trying to figure out what a Mennonite is. There's so many different kinds; it's really confusing. So, what is a Mennonite then to you guys? Someone says, "What's a Mennonite?" How do you explain that? For us, I mean, go ahead. Well, for me, I, I still call myself a Mennonite, but not because of. Anything that I believe, uh, I just call myself a Mennonite because of my background or my blood. You know, like Our I, last name. we come from. So if someone was Jewish, it could be because either yeah. where they're from yeah. or what they believe. Yeah. Would that be an kind acceptable of, yeah. analogy? You could yeah. one, the other, or both. I would say yeah. If your last name is Rempel, you could tell another Mennonite you weren't a Mennonite, but they would say, "Yeah, you are. Your last name is Rempel." It's like, how are you going to not be blood? It's like, it's like if you're from Ireland or your great grandfather was from Ireland, so you say you're Irish. It's pretty much the same thing. If you're born in America, but your great grandfather was born in Ireland, then it's the same type of thing for Brad and I. So, what's a Mennonite? Like, what are the Mennonite stereotypes? Uh, Ankle length denim skirts, no makeup. Uh, This is all female stuff. Well, even the guys don't wear makeup. No earrings. (laughs) Um, what else Um, a lot of like four part harmony in church like just a piano and then tons of harmony so like they always joke that like midnight kids can harmonize by the time they're two which is sometimes true Um, our sisters uh, have a lot of kids and they started singing harmonies when they were super young is that a thing too? have a lot of kids oh yeah yeah definitely like our one sister has seven one has five I'm the youngest of six. So if mom invites us over for lunch and says, hey, kids, come over, there's 36 people. Is that right? Yeah. 
Wow. So not just at Christmas, just like on a normal Tuesday evening. That could be 30. I mean, it does sound like a lot of love in a house. To be honest with you, like that part sounds very appealing. Like it's a lot of family. Yeah, it, it is. is a, we tried. It was the other day we were trying to explain to people because a lot of people say, yeah, we understand you guys. It's kind of like family values. And, you know, that's such a generic, normal thing to say, right? It's kind of like saying, God bless America. It's a pretty normal thing. But to explain... We were trying to, Curtis and I were trying to sum it up the other day. Like when we say family values in a Mennonite town, it's quite different. It's like, you know how here or anywhere in the world, it's pretty normal to have a babysitter a certain amount of time. And people that like don't do it very often say, we don't do a babysitter very often. In a Mennonite town, you literally never, ever do. Like everything you do is with your kids. So I, I, oh, I did stay with a babysitter one time. Aunt Shelley had, had yeah. me over for... And that's not even babysitter. That's, that's my mom. aunt Shelley. Yeah. But so, it's yeah. that kind of thing. Like, one of our biggest dreams as a band is to someday be the first country band ever to sell out an arena based on family tickets, where it's like, this is the price for a person, this is the price for a family, and everybody's there together as families. It's kind of it's fascinating. It's a weird dream of mine. And it seems like it would be that way. It would thrive in an area where there aren't where there's not a lot of cosmopolitan, where there's not a lot of people. Like you stay to your own group. Yeah. Like you 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 roll together because you need each other. Mm-hmm. You're yeah. you're kind of feeding off of each other. It's like a business, yeah. even like you, you all need... have your roles inside of it. Yeah, maybe. I'm into it. I need to get like 18 kids. No, get right on it. That's crazy. We only my wife and I only have two, which makes us like probably not min- yeah. Mennonite enough. I was reading Mennonite.com. They're not happy with you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing it said. We are not happy, we are not happy with the Rempel boys. With Curtis. Oh, man. And there, Brad. There definitely are some Mennonites that... You, Curtis, uh, you, have, you have kids? We'll that. I do. I've got in? two kids. You can yeah. have more? Uh, yes. We will. Hmm. Well, listen, and I don't want to talk about that the whole time. I'm just, I don't know anything about it, and I know people want to know. Yeah. And be like, hey, what is this? What is this? Because it seems like in America, this is like, the, what are you all those people up in the, the Northeast? The Quakers? The Amish. Amish. There we go. Amish. Yeah, yeah. That, is that a fair comparison? Yeah, Amish broke out of Mennonites. Mennonites... Um, oh, the, you guys are the OGs. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> uh, you know, Fred Armisen called us... I texted you, actually, when I met Fred Armisen. I was so proud to have met a famous person that we both knew. And um, he called us the original hipsters. Mennonites. Which I think is sort of accurate. It's true, because we ate our neighbor's cows and it was normal. Yeah. And we grew our own potatoes. Yeah, you ask like what it looked like outside our house. You'd get out there. We're on this. If you look at an aerial view of our town, it's all in squares. Half a mile by half a mile is 160 acres. We lived on two of them, and our neighbors would live on two of them, and everybody's just in these plots of land. They'd have cows. We'd have chickens, and you'd just all buy food from each other. So when I moved here and people were talking about Whole Foods and explaining it to me, it was hilarious because I – clearly had never experienced that before and i hadn't heard about like organic and paying more for organic and then when they explained to me what it was it literally was our backyard just just paying extra for it you were hearing organic and you're like what is that but really what they were saying was that this is what you're used to yeah you're gonna pay more for what you're used to yeah yeah i had never i didn't know what organic was until i was probably 18 yeah, except crazy. you knew exactly what it was because you were living it. Yeah, yeah, just no word for it. You didn't know the process part of it. Yeah, wow, we, we call that. it eating food. I bet you, and everywhere you go, people want to talk about this, right? In every interview, it's like, "What's up, 
Canada Mennonite, right? Is that, you know what's is that weird? It? Nobody in Canada ever talked to us about being Mennonite ever until uh, like last year. Why? Because they knew and it, it was not even a thing? I think there was, I know for sure, and even here there's a little bit of it, is try, hey guys, try hard not to be so different. Can you try and like, um, you know the whole thing. Be a about little more relatable. Country artists should be like out there with their red solo cup and hanging out with everybody else with their red solo cups. And um, for whatever reason, I think, honestly, you were a huge part of it, your interview where everybody kind of started talking about it. And then um, people start saying, oh, maybe it's okay if you guys talk about it. Of course it's okay. I get so frustrated when people say you can't be who you are. When I came over here to this format, I was like, oh, you don't wear a bell buckle cowboy hat. You're never going to make it. <laughs> I would love to see you with, <laughs> with that on. <laughs> it would be amazing. But it just goes to show you that if you're authentic in who you are, and not just that, you still have to be good. Yeah. But if you're good enough, that it doesn't matter what you are. If you're not hurting people or animals, people don't care. Just be good at it. Like Give yeah. them some sort of entertainment they can enjoy. And don't hurt kids or animals. You're pretty good. I mean, that's, that's a good recipe for success. Be good. Is that in your book? Because um, I'm going to read it. I'm reading it tonight. Book. Yes. Okay. Don't hurt kids or animals. <laughs> and I, be good. Stay in school. When you guys want to move down here, well, I guess I wonder creatively in that family, are you guys all making music as a family? Like in that little snippet I played you there, that was the whole family band, the Rempel family. That was just live off of the stage at church, right? Yeah. That was our album. We literally played 10 songs live and uh, recorded it. But... um. Curtis and I are just the last two in our family to still, you know, want to keep doing it. Everybody in our family was in the band at one point. Is it weird to them that not only do you want to pursue this to make a living, but that you want to move to a different country and pursue on this large stage? I don't think, I don't know if weird is the right word, but I mean, it's been, we've been doing this for a long time, longer than people realize. And our family's been, you know, with us for the whole thing they've seen every single baby step you know so i mean there have been some shocking events i guess in our history probably to the family but it's like playing the opry for the first time that was a big enough event that in 48 hours they got passports and drove to the airport and flew here to see us at the opry so what's driving to the airport uh 500 miles wow yeah, and it used to be. Um, now it's all paved, but it used to be. How many? How many miles was? It used to be gravel. 150 miles of it was gravel. Yeah. To get to the airport, and yeah. what airport is that? Edmonton. Okay, so let me let's do the math here. 500 miles mm -hmm. at 80 miles an hour. Okay. Except you can't do that on a gravel road. But okay, but it's paved now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, at eight times six is 48. You're talking about. I, you got to stop and pee. Yeah, it's considered an eight-hour drive for most. Like on, on Google Maps, it would. They it drove would read. eight out. You have to drive eight hours to get to the airport. You drive fast, but Google will tell and you to get a hours. passport. Yeah, they didn't have passports yet, so they had to get the twenty-four-hour expedited. Yeah, McDonald's. Uh, in um, our town. No, two hundred miles. Yeah, two hundred miles. To McDonald's. 200 miles to the movie theater, which when we went home and did a documentary a couple of years ago, we interviewed my uh, Mr. Ward, a uh, shop teacher. Yeah, a shop teacher. And him and his wife had just driven to the movie theater and back for a date. Like, they drove 200 miles, saw a movie, and drove back. Like, they didn't get a hotel there. They just went and saw a movie. A lot of people in our hometown, including our brother-in-law, um, have season tickets to the Edmonton Oilers, which is in Edmonton. The, the 500 mile drive which is 8 hours 41 away. games a year and so they're making that drive uh, 
quite frequently. Yeah, but is that thirty or forty times a year? Okay, let me say this then: if that's normal, that's not that far. No, I mean it's not. It's crazy to me to go. I'm going to drive eight hours or something. But imagine the 1800s. You got to get a horse and yeah. and travel in. Yeah. you know, sixteen hours to a market. That's. I, well, I guess well it, imagine right? this: we moved to Spring Hill because it's Tennessee. You know, yeah, Spring yeah. Hill, Tennessee. It's thirty-five minutes exactly to Music Row to where I'm usually hanging out writing from my house. People are like, dude, you live way out in Spring Hill, as if it's just nuts. I have a super target in about 50 other stores eight minutes from my driveway. And I'm supposed to feel like I live far away from something, but I can't. I've tried. I've been here for eight years, and I feel like I'm in like Manhattan or something in Spring Hill. But people perceive it as being way the heck out there. I'm just thinking, wow, this is pretty easy. It just shows you it's really all relative. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there are probably people that hear your story and go, oh, that's nothing. Yeah. yeah. Well, my, I was having a conversation with my father-in-law yesterday. Um, my wife and I are both from the same town. Um, so my father-in-law was telling me about uh, stories he heard about our hometown in like the 40s and stuff. And there was no road to get to La Crete. You literally had to take a boat down the Peace River. And it would come twice a month, I think, and it would drop off food and, I mean, everything that people would need to survive. And then people would also export. So, like, every two weeks, the boats would be going in and out of La Crete and uh, come along. And that was normal, though. My point is, even to him then, that was probably normal. Yeah. Yeah. And And that's the thing. Mennonites moved up there because it was so, um, what's the word? Secluded, yeah. And now that there's a paved road going all the way there like my father-in-law yesterday was talking about how lacrete is not that secluded anymore <laughs> yeah compared it, to that's a good stereotype for Mennonites. seclusion they try hard no matter where you find Mennonites, it'll be in these obscure areas to try and escape the world so that's kind of the reason we're from lacrete is because Mennonites went there originally because there was no road maybe nobody, that, nobody could get to you and you couldn't get to anybody maybe that's why we live in spring hill we're trying to escape yeah, you're, according to the people enough. here, you're secluded. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. you live now. Yeah, wow. I mean, I could do this for hours, but uh, let me talk about sleep number for one second. So, if you've spent any time listening to me jibber jabber, you probably have heard me talk about sleep number and how my sleep number bed has improved my sleep quality. Yes, so yes, it's true. My sleep number setting is a thirty. That's right. Maybe you've considered a sleep number bed and thought to yourself, I don't know if I can afford this. But can you really afford another restless night's sleep? Before you do anything, go to a Sleep Number store and experience the adjustable comfort for a limited time only. Queen mattresses start at only $5.99. The Sleep Number bed lets you adjust your mattress firmness or softness on each side whenever you like. It's the perfect bed for couples. You can actually feel how it contours to your neck, your shoulders, your back, your hips, and all the more proper spinal alignment. At a Sleep Number store, you can see the science behind your Sleep Number setting and they have the individual fit pressure mapping technology. Nothing compares with finding your just right comfort and pressure relieving support. My sleep number setting is 30. Going now, the lowest price of the season, the final closeout of a sleep number queen C2 mattress with adjustable comfort on both sides, $599.99. Visit sleepnumber.com slash bones to find the store near you. I remember when you guys came in on the show first time. I didn't. I, I knew you had a song and I was like, ah, I like the song and you came in and we were talking about pop culture references and you guys just didn't know them and you weren't playing a part you really just didn't know them because you didn't grow up with uh, there, I guess there wasn't even a radio signal 
that you guys no. pick up? There was not. When did that start happening? Um, we got FM radio in the year 2000. We got pop radio in the year 2000. And it, it, it's not even pop. It's like an amalgamation of tons of different things that are not country, if that makes sense. So was that a big shock to the system of town where there's this, it's the devil music, man. I mean, yeah. uh, Mr. Ward, to go back to our shop teacher, he wrote in my report card that year to my parents, Brad did not get much accomplished, you know, blah, 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 blah. Basically, I was sitting around the radio the whole time, and I was listening to Smash Mouth and Green Day and Everclear. But does that stir up these creative juices, though, I wonder, when you're hearing this stuff, and it's like, whoa, the music yeah. can do this. Curtis, every once in a while, will hear a demo and be like, hey, that reminds me, you're doing that Everclear kind of thing with your vocal, and... Yeah, there's there's inspiration there yeah. for sure. I can just imagine you only have a few records, and then all of a sudden, through the through the air comes a whole new sound. Yeah, the thing is though, and this isn't to suck up to country radio. Even with that, I still would want to hear more country music. And we got Columbia House, and I was that oh twelve CDs for a penny. Yeah, dude. And yeah, then man. I'd get all my friends to buy the five that I need to pay for, and then I'd sign them up. And I ended up getting 110 CDs, and I never paid for one of them, which is horrible because now we want everybody to pay for our music. But anyway, I would still just get Diamond Rio CDs and Blackhawk and Shenandoah and any bands with harmonies, um, even though we had that kind of radio. So that's why I still didn't immerse myself fully in the pop scene i guess well we weren't really encouraged to listen to that's true that radio station either yeah discouraged would be a better word but who was it we had a cassette that somebody recorded uh smash mouth onto off the radio did you do that probably i okay. found it in our rv and me and jordan schmidt listened to uh what's the song all star also we listened yeah. to it when we were camping one weekend so is and that I like having a playboy like when you're a Probably. kid, to pretty have much, yeah. Pretty I mean, close. Our mom and dad gone. Yes, okay. Put the cassette in. Let's listen to Smash Mouth. Put in Even the Steve Harwell vocal. Yes. A lot of kids in Nashville are church kids, right? A lot of country guys, and they'll be like, "Man, I know how you grew up, man. I was only allowed to listen to Christian music growing up, which is hilarious because we were not allowed like all the Christian rock music and stuff, like uh, Michael W. Smith, or we weren't supposed to listen to that stuff that because was it was too much, too too modern. Yeah. So, so how did you end up here? Because all the things are working against that. Like, That's a great like story. All the things are working against you being here and making music yeah. that is contemporary sounding. Yeah. Here's, this sounds fake, but this is the absolute truth of how we got here. Our dad was pulling the engine out of a white 135 tractor, piece of junk tractor, and a guy called named Bo Lozier, who was a scam artist out of Nashville here, and he called our phone number he found us on mp3.com if you remember that website and he asked my dad for 60,000 bucks cash and said if you give me 60 grand I can make your boys into big stars there's a guy out on tour with the Dixie Chicks right now and he loves your band he's going to produce your boys and he's going to produce a record on them and our dad always says if he could have seen the tractor I was working on he never would ask for 60 grand but either way he got the wheels turning and mom and dad ended up saying oh, maybe these boys should be going to Nashville to record and we went down here and spent a fraction of that in 2000 and started making records down here. So because the guy put the bubble into your parents' head, mm -hmm. yeah. they thought, well, if someone's trying to scam us because they could be good enough, maybe they are good enough. Pretty I much. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a bold move on their part to go, all right, this is different for everybody, but you need to get down and be where you can create. It's, I mean, Yeah, our dad straight up bet the farm. He literally... 
uh, went to the bank and took a, a line of credit, like a loan against our wow. farm and spent that. I think it was 30 some thousand bucks. Yeah. With flights and hotels and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you feel some pressure when that happens. We were too young to know that we should, but later on in life, I definitely did. And uh, we paid him back. Our town is really supportive. We did a CD release concert. Curtis rode a dirt bike down Main Street with ads. In the on Farmers it. Day Parade, um, we we ended up getting a computer at one point, and we had a program called Print Shop. I don't yep. know if you remember that, but I designed a poster and I stuck it to the side of my dirt bike, and I advertised for the CD release concert and drove it in the parade. I think we should still do that, like Curtis on a dirt bike on Music Row, advertising our new record. If It'd be amazing. If you go home now to, to your hometown, do you have to fly to Edmonton and drive eight hours? Yeah. Yeah. Boy, I bet you don't go home that often, do you? Once a year is yeah, kind of Twice if average. we're lucky, yeah. yeah. And your wives are from home. Mine isn't, but Curtis is. Yours is. Mm-hmm. So you met her at home when she moved down here? That's correct. Wow. That's it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> were you married when she moved down here? Yep. Yeah, we got married, and uh, a few months later, we moved down here, actually. Yeah. How, how old yeah. were you when you got married? I was 22, I think. All right. Either 21 Not or too 22. terribly young. No. Yeah. I was 19. When you got married? Yeah, we were 16 when we met. And where did you meet her? Uh, at a music festival. She was in our autograph line. I signed an 8x10 for her. Where? And what, t- what town did you meet her? Presbyteau, British Columbia, which is a suburb of Fort St. John. Which the is... music festival was held at the Blueberry Bible Camp. Yeah, it was called the Blueberry Bible Camp Gospel Jamboree. And uh, she was the hottest girl there by far. Now, if you were 25, it would be a different story. I would go, hey, why are you trying to hook up with people yeah. when you're But you're 16. Yeah, we were just kids. Yeah. We were hanging out, and we started talking, and then we started dating after we turned 17. But how far away does she live? She lived uh, five hours away, 300 miles. So I would drive. I sold cars for a living, so I started selling trucks and cars when I was 17. So on Saturdays at 3, I'd get off work, and then I'd drive. I'd get to her house by about 8 or 9. And then Sunday night, I'd have to leave to be back for work on Monday. I mean, so, don't you just go ahead and get married because you want to save gas at that point? Like, exactly. like I'm pretty much. It was financially a great decision. <laughs> but Sometimes I, mean, I went along just to keep Brad awake on the road. That's true. You'd ride with him? Yeah. You stopped the car and run circles. One time I dated a girl. She lived like two hours away in northern Arkansas. And nobody wanted to date me, right? I mean, I'm a real treat, as you can see. Uh, so I, I would drive, and I would stay until like 10 o'clock and have to drive home, but I would stop the car and then run circles. And then jump back in the car and drive for a bit longer cause without <laughs> yeah. falling asleep. Yeah, I know it, man. You stick your head out the window. You do yeah. every, I can't imagine. You're Sunflower just... seeds, man. You ever eat those mm-hmm. while you're driving? That's, mm-hmm. that's the best thing for me. When I proposed to my wife, um, well, she wasn't my wife at the time. So anyway, when I proposed to my girlfriend, I, I, I was running out of time. We were about to go on tour for six months, and we kind of had talked about getting married. So it was kind of obvious. I was trying to do you know this artistic, creative way, and, and it wasn't. It just wasn't, the ring didn't make it in time for when I had it all scheduled. Anyway, I had like one day left to surprise her. I'd already asked her dad's permission. So I left our house at midnight. I drove through the night, but I got so tired that I pulled over at this parking lot in, a, in the town that has a gas station in between. And I um, pulled over there and I fell asleep and I woke up literally at the exact time that allowed me to get to her house one minute before her dad's alarm. I knew her dad's alarm went off at 6 a.m., and I knew I needed to sneak into the house before 6 with my guitar, get up in her bedroom and sing When You Say Nothing at All to wake her up, which is how I proposed to her. 
you know, I'm 19. This is as romantic as I could get. When you say nothing at all sounds amazing at 6 a.m. When you haven't talked to anybody for five hours. So I get to her house. It's like 5.56, and I'm getting out there, and I accidentally smoke my guitar against they live in this log cabin and i smoked it against the ceiling when i was trying to get into the room and <laughs> like you what like you scratch like you hit you the headstock it. of the yeah. guitar was like boom and then the so loud the D noise. string is just super flat and uh she was sharing the bed with her sister which i obviously didn't know they like had a sleepover and they're both blonde and i'm like shoot i have to make sure i propose to the right girl at this moment in time thankfully i did and um at like 5.59, she <laughs> said yes, love- and then this alarm clock starts ringing through the house, and her dad yells something in German, because we all grew up speaking German, right? So he said, Oba, which just means like, come on, or something. And that's how it all went down. I just love that when you proposed, there was another girl laying yeah. in that bed. Which how, was great. She how got, amazing is she that? She got to share her excitement with, yeah. you know, right away show an engagement ring to somebody, which is super useful. And you guys... Learn German before English. Yeah. Do you ever dream in German now? <laughs> I've never been asked that. Oh, man. The truth is I, I learned English first. I was the last kid of six kids. Um, so all the kids went to English school. So there's a lot of English in our home by the time yeah. I was born. So. Yeah. We, we were considered Angolando, which is a German word for English speakers, because our dad... Maybe because of how it's pull- kind of like an offensive term. It's like if you're in Angolanda, then you're not really accepted in the German Mennonite community. Yeah, like in our town, there's German churches and English churches, and the English ones are pretty considered incredibly liberal. Even though they're still Mennonite, it's just like you're supposed to speak German. Everything should always be German. So once you get to school, you get in trouble for speaking German. So the trick is you learn German all your life until you know you're in school, and then the teachers really try and teach you English at that point. So now my wife and I just use German to like keep secrets from the kids and um, say funny stuff when people are around that we aren't allowed to say out loud. Back to my question, do you ever dream in German still? Does it ever fall back and you're like, wow, that's crazy? I, I can't prove that. I don't know how to know. I've never dreamed in German. I, I don't dream in like sound, so I don't know. You don't have conversations while you sleep? Like in your head? I do. I talk talk to people in my dreams all the time. I don't dream very much, to be honest. I dream a lot before I go to bed, and that's all in English. Do you ever think in German? All the time, yeah. You do? Ah, yeah. I wish I could think in another language. I have trouble <laughs> thinking in English, man. You two, now musically, because you play the little thing. Yeah, the mandolin. Is, is that what you play all the time? No, I, I started playing... I started off playing guitar, and then I, I learned mandolin later on. And so you you play the guitar? I, like, hold the guitar. I'm, like, the stereotypical lead singer that has a guitar sometimes for fun, but I'm not really a guitar player. Curtis, why don't you sing? Do you sing? I, I sing background vocals. But, I mean, but you don't sing uh, lead at all, ever? No, I used to. I used to sing lead on one song, but I just could not remember the words. You so no Brad would be, though. like, yelling me the yelling the lyrics into my ear. Line by line. Line by line. And I just, like, I got it probably 30% of the time. So I just I just sing background. But you have no interest to be the lead singer, ever? No. It's fascinating. Is that, is that okay? No, I just, <laughs> I, I don't. I would be a terrible rhythm guitar player. Just, you look at a band, there's drummers, a bassist, rhythm. Just look at a four-piece band and just put yeah. it on my head. I would be a terrible rhythm guitar player. Why is that? 
Because I would want to be the lead singer. I'm a I'm an absolute type A. But let's say I can't. Then I probably want to be the drummer because I can actually do my own thing. I can have my own, you know. Yeah. Uh, people right. will people will look at me. Listen, I'm just searching for love. Everything I do, I, I need people to pay attention to me because I need love, right? Mm-hmm. And then at least on the bass, I can get a little funky. I can dance. But the rhythm guitar, you know, that's probably the most important yet thankless position. I love playing rhythm guitar. And that's why I say that because you must not need to be thanked. You must have been loved a lot as a kid. That's what <laughs> we all come back to. Kid. And again, that's, that's what I'm coming back to. He doesn't need that extra attention. Doesn't need to be the lead singer. Doesn't need to... Like, you're good. You're healthy. It feels but like I, your heart's I, healthy. I will say, though, he does play the mandolin, and it is like the signature of our sound. Everybody, you know, everybody knows that we're not a band that has drums, electric guitar, and bass. They know that we have mandolins and banjos, which he also plays, and all that cool stuff. You, on the other hand, with your muscles and your lead singer, what's that? what happened there, huh? Uh, they just swelled up on me. I'm talking about that. I mean, you're in the front. What What did you say? Type A? Is that yeah. what it's called? Are you Type A? Is that like leader? Leader. It's like I I am here. Like, look at me. I got something to yeah. say. I'm going to lead this thing. I would definitely be. Um, that's what's been so healthy for me about having kids is because I definitely was always like, and am very much the leader and in charge. And even now. If we finish a show, I, I call home thinking. Some For some reason, I still think, like, I will call home and say how this conversation is going to go. And I'm on speakerphone with my wife and both kids. And, hey, guys, here's what happened today. And it, it's been an amazing transformation how it's, like, never about me at all. And it's just me listening to them telling me how cool they are. And that's been very healthy, like, amazing. Do your family think you're cooler now? Like, is it the, the My success? kids? Yeah. No. No? No. I, we begged them to come to the Ryman the other day because we were playing it and we were so pumped to be playing it again. And my wife's like, hey, kids, we could go for a cool dinner downtown, see Daddy play. And I kid you not, my nine-year-old said, could we just order in some Mexican and listen to a CD? <laughs> and I said, Drew, you don't need to listen to a CD. You could just stay at home and have fun. So they stay at home and did not go. But at least he was giving you a bit. Like, he was still going to listen to you while <laughs> yeah. you were gone. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't, don't be lost on that. That was he, all sympathy. Yeah, he was still throwing you a bone there. <laughs> yeah. He was still throwing you, you know, a little love. Uh, yeah. Like, we'll still listen to you. We just don't want to take the eight-hour trip into town, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the 35 minutes. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. But we did get on Madden on the video game. You were playing the game, yeah. And um, so now my kids hear High Valley while playing Madden. Oh, you mean you guys are on the game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is that so right? they that's think cool. that's cool, and their friends think that's cool. And now if I go to football practice, there will be more kids that think it's cool. That is pretty cool. I think buddies. that's cool. Like, you're cooler to me right now because we're on Madden. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Look at that. Uh, well, so what's happening right now with you guys? Are you guys uh, about to pick new songs? Is that where we are? We're picking songs all the time right now. We're listening to... Listen to all, all of Brad's hits and uh, oh, you gotta pick songs. What if you? What if it's coming to you, right, Curtis? And it's like, what do you think about this song that I wrote, your big brother Brad, or the song that some other dudes wrote? That's do you know? Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I honestly, I just listen to the songs and and uh, I mean, as you know, even just based on the last thirty minutes, we come from a very unusual place. Um, geographically and and even just the way we we grew up you know the way we think about songs yeah so brad understands that better than any songwriter 
in Nashville and in the world. And uh, so we're looking for specific ideas and messages in our songs and even topics that we avoid because they just are not relevant to us. Um, and uh, it's hard for any other songwriters to identify with that and actually hit the nail on the head. That's a good so, point. I mean, I, I, listen to, I listen to all the songs, you know. Yeah, I usually but, like the outside songs more, I would say, than Curtis. Which you would think would be the opposite, and I'd be like, I only like my own songs, but I'm not stupid. Obviously, Nashville has amazing songwriters, and I'm going to love, I love Tom Douglas, and I love Ashley Gorley, and I love a lot of these amazing, John Knight, I love their songs. But he's right, it's, it's tough when people find out what we're about, like right now on the pitch sheet that every songwriter gets in this town, it says, High Valley, looking for singles, faith, family, and farming. And you'd be shocked at the amount of like songs about a guy reading a Bible while riding a tractor down a field. You know, it's like just pretty it's cheesy. Like, it's cheesy the perfect stuff. recipe. Faith, family, and farming is the perfect recipe for just cheese ball material. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, I mean, those are our ingredients, but we just avoid cheese ball like the plague. So um, it's kind of like if you knew how to make brownies, and other people said, "Oh, there's sugar and flour and eggs in there," and cocoa. It, Don't forget the cocoa. Yeah, and it just was wrong. So I'm not saying we won't find, and we have, and we, we will. Yeah, we have cut some some great outside songs. But it's the amount of weird stuff we weed through to hear them is a, is a pretty bad percentage. So the order of your song was "She's with Me" the last single. Yeah, "Make okay. You Mine" was first. Okay, so "Make You Mine," "She's with Me," play some "She's with Me." So we played this earlier. From when this song finishes its run in the top ten. To now, it's got to feel like an eternity. Like you come off your highest song ever, and now you just got to sit for a minute. I don't know. It actually doesn't feel that way because um, we were just. When was our last show in Chicago? Like two weeks ago. Like Lake Shake? Did you guys play that? No, this was a uh, at Joe's. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, and the week we were there, ago. they still played it uh, seventy-five times that week. So it's just like kind of still. still playing, it still so. feels like it's building momentum, even though it's really yeah. not on. I know on the chart, the once you've gone down for three weeks, you're, you're off. Right. But in reality, like the spins of it is still tons. Well, that's cool then. So it's kind of like it's living a second life right now. Do you guys tell each other you love each other? Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Not like every day on the phone, but yes. But you, but you guys have a good relationship where it's like, hey, man. You know, Usually we tell each other we love each other after we fight. Yeah, that's true. Which there's, you know, there's, I feel like in my mind, in my my body, my soul, that there's this meter, right? And you go as high as you go low. Like if, if, if you're on this, well, you, like a thermometer scale. Yeah, yeah. If the middle line is hmm. zero and you're, you can go up to a three on top, that means you also go down to the three on yeah. the bottom, negative three. Yes. And so I, as hard as you love is as hard as you fight. As, and so for me, I have trouble really spreading that scale. Like I don't, I don't have a lot of happiness, but I don't have a lot of sadness. And I've been spending the last few years really trying to, figure myself out and huh. it's okay to let the walls down and be a little hurt because what happens is you get to experience all that joy yeah so for me i've been chasing that and i wonder with you two if you do love each other so much do the fights get you know pretty brotherly like come on dude like is it is it I'd equal say, i'd say they used to be way more extreme than now would you agree oh yeah you getting older or you're just learning each other better Probably, Probably both. both. Yeah. Also, I I know I used to feel so much pressure that I don't feel anymore, but I used to feel like 
the type A leader provide for everybody thing. Yeah. And, well, and Curtis correct, was me, but, correct me if I'm wrong, wrong, but you would feel like it was your responsibility for you know me to be able to provide for my family because yeah. especially you know like right in the beginning when I got married then or or even when I wasn't married it was still your responsibility to make sure that I was getting paychecks yeah like I, my wife and I had done good in businessy stuff before we went full time we've been full time for 11 and a half yeah 11 and a half years since we quit our jobs to do only this so the first year we did um, we took a 90% pay cut and then, um, a couple of years later, I was like some of the houses we had bought, I was like selling them and using that money to pay Curtis and my other brother who were in the band at the time. And my wife and I were just going further and further in debt and I would feel like tons of stress and it wouldn't be like, I told Curtis that every day, but our fights would be more about like, let's work harder and all that kind of stuff. And in my mind, it's so that I can get this back to an even keel and in his mind it's like why can't this be more fun why is this such a stressful thing whereas that seems like an eternity ago because now it's been so good for so many years but that was that's why i wrote she's with me because my wife was there through all of that the song says when when my dreams were running out of road like she was there and they were straight up running out of road like there's nothing left but now she's there for you know walking the red carpets and all that kind of stuff and i wanted people to know when they listen to the song that she's not just a pretty face that showed up because we were on the radio she was there when the she autograph to, line yeah yeah exactly when my <laughs> adam's, long before the radio when my adam's apple was bigger than my face man look at that that's good stuff right there you know I forgot you had a third member. That was pre-me. That was pre-me coming to town when you guys had uh, the, the yeah, other yeah. brother. Because I would see pictures. I think even an album cover. Did he have blonder hair? Yeah. Yeah. Short blonde hair. So what happened to him? Nothing happened to him. Uh, Brad and I moved to Nashville, and he did not. Oh, yeah. so he was never here. No, he wanted to stay. Well, he was. That was the problem. Is he, he would have to come here for stuff. And, you know, like let's say this today. Brian would have had to drive 500 miles. One day, stay stay in Edmonton, fly the next day, and then probably the third day would be today, hanging out with you. Tomorrow, he'd fly home the day after drive home. So it's like a five-day commitment to hang out with you for an hour, whereas we can be like... And we did stuff like that. There would be gigs or events or whatever where Brian would come all the way down from our hometown. And I even did that for a period of time before I moved here. I wanted to get married first, then I wanted to move here. So yeah. I did that for a little while. And it's, it sucks. Like, it just sucks the life out of you when you got to spend that much time traveling for anything. Another awkward conversation when he goes, hey, it's not going to work. Like, he's like, does he come to you guys? Or are you guys like, man, are you tired? Like, what, what, how did that? It's your brother, not just a bandmate, it's your yeah. brother slash bandmate. Yeah. It's just a whole I mean, other dynamic. I mean, something like that is never just comfortable and feels good at all. Um, yeah, because we've been doing it forever since we were old like enough Brian, to... Brian was doing High Valley since he was, what, eight, Nine. Nine? Hey, he on the list of age? He's right between. So he's between you two? Yeah. Yeah, he'd be the fifth in the family. So what's he doing now? He is, uh, he's an IT guy. He's like a really smart computer person. Yeah, he's the smartest. The smartest sure thing he did was get out of music, too, by the way. That's yeah, the smartest exactly. thing he did. <laughs> so he's, he's an IT guy at a huge um, road construction company. In? Lecrate. 
but the company is represented all over Alberta, which is like the Texas of Canada. A lot of oil, huh? Isn't yeah. that right? Because yeah. I have friends that will go. This is what they'll do. They, they will go. I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I used to date a Canadian, right? So I know all of the, all the Canadian Very familiar. culture. Yeah, I know all the, all the Canada. And so I think that's why I know a bit about you guys, too, because I'd be like, hey, what's up with these guys? And she'd be like, oh, they're really good dudes. They, she also said, man, they've changed. Their, I guess you guys got real good. You disappeared and then got real good looking and came back. Is that, would you say that's accurate? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I've never heard that before. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, well, uh, thank you. Like, they're, they're like, I'm not sure to say thank you or be offended that we were ugly before this magical disappearance. You can't do that because I used to do that too. People yeah. be like, oh, like what do they call it? like your you come? What do they say? You glam? You what is it? Glow I glow up. They're like, oh, look at the glow up. I'm like, what do you mean? It used to be ugly. You can't look yeah. at it that way. Yeah, that's you just got to look at the positive progress. All right. Yeah, all but right. people would say, yeah, High Valley. They've been around for a long time. They've been trying to make it. Now was you guys a story and why I was drawn to you guys at first because it seems like you guys are real grinders. Like you spent a lot of time in town. That would be an understatement. Getting yes. told a lot of no's. Yeah. Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we got offered our first record deal in this town that we could not accept because we had just signed a different one in 08, 09 mp3.com universal universal offered us a development deal in 09 and you couldn't take it because we had just signed an independent uh, record deal with a company called centricity in franklin which is a great company they're great to us but obviously to get on country radio in 09 would have been a lot sooner than you know last year did you get out of that deal Mm -hmm. uh yeah just right when making mine happened really wait yeah pre or post just pre we got out of it and got signed Right after Boy, by I bet, Warner. I bet they're like, oh, come on. Well, can I ask him? I guess. Oh, yeah, you yeah, could ask him. Hey, have him on the, the show. Way, let's bring him in. They're here. <laughs> they're waiting outside. So when you guys sign with Warner Brothers, uh, that's got to be a cool thing, right? Like, they're that's legitimate. Yeah, yeah, that was. I mean, that's that was a huge moment for us. I mean, and still is. We've been with Warner now for what two and a half years. Yeah, a couple of years. Man, the quickest two and a half years of my life. But um. Yeah, I mean that's when that's when the ball just started to roll. I mean, Make Your Mind hit radio, and uh, I remember I remember playing that gig in Boston, and yeah. uh, there was like those rails right in front of the stage, and people were packed against the stage, and the room was full, and yeah. uh, Make Your Mind was the last song, yeah. and and then they just screamed the lyrics as loud as they could, and uh, my we- mind was just blown. That was like the moment. Then we went to Orlando, and it was and just it, acoustic, it was just acoustic, and it happened kind of like the way it does in the movies, like the that thing you do. Yeah, yeah. The, there they are. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of like what is going on, and that's when we like got a video of it and sent it to Espo at the label, and pretty soon they were sharing it with everybody, and people will say like, yeah, things have taken a while for you guys, but for us, it just felt like fast. But maybe because we had those first twenty years of super slow, and we the, were just so ugly. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> Heard that was really holding you back. What's the difference in not having a record label and then getting a record label? Um, I mean, especially here, because we've had all kinds of like little record labels, but from that to be with Warner is just like, oh, first thing they did is put us on the world's most beautiful bus and sent us around the oh, country. Yeah, they made us feel real good. Like real fancy. Like, like do a radio tour where you're yeah. having the bus around? Like before having a big record deal, I'd ate, you know, two or three times at these really expensive restaurants. Now we've ate two or three hundred times. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you I get. Mean, we you, went to a restaurant in Denver together. Yeah. And that was no cheap din- dinner. No. I mean, I wasn't paying for it either. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I, mean, I wasn't pulling out my credit card either. But yeah. that was. Uh, 
Do the slow pull where you can't find your wallet in time? Listen. Yeah. I am not spending that kind of money on a work deal. That was a hundred dollars yeah. meal, like yeah. a person. Easy, yeah. That's crazy. And, and we don't drink. Imagine if we did. Like that—that's where the money really goes up. We see those bills after like those fancy dinners. It's nuts. I remember like calling my wife whenever I knew how much, how many dollars I just ate, and <laughs> I would like tell her, and it would just like blow both our minds. And since signing with the label, it happens so much. Like. Is meals getting put on cards and and it's yeah. not even about you guys it's about the people that you're trying to impress like the station managers or the, that's yeah. who you're eating the big meals for yeah if it's up to us we're going to a barbecue joint having a my standard sandwich. is my standard is definitely no more than one fork at the table and if it's plastic that's usually better at, at our wedding for our wedding dinner for my example of what i would you know do we had pizza and Caesar salad and barbecue chicken wings. So this whole like being fancy all day, I find it hilarious. Even going to the ACMs or CMAs, it's awesome. But we're all people that hang out with each other every day. But now we're all wearing these like $1,500 suits that are pretty uncomfortable. And we're trying to stand the right way and have our collars the right way. And the girls are in these dresses that must just kill them to be in. And then when it's over, everybody just goes back to normal life. But it's so like if we all decided to not try and impress each other, we could just hang out in like shorts and t-shirts and buy a brother a swimming pool with exactly. all that money that you know. <laughs> exactly. Look at this. I feel like I've learned so much. I feel like as humans, we've grown together this last hour. I love it. So much growth, man. We, and not only that, Curtis hasn't been smart with me the whole time because you come into the show and man, you just pop, 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 pop. I'm like, hey, I've only got a few seconds. I'm like, man. come on, man. <laughs> come on. Lesson. I'm trying to think what the most expensive thing on a menu in La Crita is. I'm guessing it'd be a lasagna. I'm, I think it's ribs at the Country Grill. Oh yeah, that's it's probably right. 16 bucks. No, yeah. it might be 25 by now. Yeah, that'd be a buffet though if it's 25. Can probably. you guys uh, take a cow apart completely if you need to? A cow? Yeah. Can you kill it? I don't you know what? It. I um, I don't do very good with uh, warm dead animals. Wow. Like, I can Pelican. still probably, and haven't in a while, completely dress a deer. Are you really? serious right now? I'm from Arkansas. Like, you're into hunting now? Not anymore. Oh. Used to, because that's what everyone did in my town. Huh. Okay, everybody did in our town, but our family was the one exception. We were the family that did not hunt. Our dad was not into it. We didn't get into it. Really? He, he shot, I don't know if we're allowed to say this, are we? Um, two black bear, but that was out, well, of, was that was out of defense. Like, they were on our yard and... Like, we were kids running around, and he didn't want one, us to One was on our up. basketball court, and the other was, like, right straight up in our yard. I think you can say that. Okay. Self-defense, you can shoot a human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Shoot a, yeah. If it's self-defense, shoot whatever you need to but shoot. But never gone hunting. Never. So, uh, where I grew up, I hunted a lot. One, I didn't have a dad for most of my life. When my stepdad came in, he was big into hunting, so I was trying to find anything for us to bond over. Yeah, yeah. And so, even, I don't like killing animals. I'm an animal guy. I don't hunt anymore. Uh, but we used to also kill a lot of animals illegally, deer, because we had to eat. And that's how we ate a lot of food. Oh, yeah. So we had to not only shoot, kill, move, you know, drag the deer, spend the four-wheeler. But I had, we had to uh, take it down quick, dress it quickly, and get rid of it. So, oh, because it was illegal. you didn't want to get caught. Right. Uh, yeah. So you pull into – we had certain garages we'd go into, back it in, bang it up. Because – not just because we wanted to do it, but because we had to eat. Right. And because we – Needed to do it fast so we wouldn't get because we didn't tag them all. You know, yeah. you, you know what that is like tagging a deer. I yeah. Do, yeah, you only get a certain amount. 
yeah. like three and you only get a certain amount of dough and so there's mm-hmm. a whole thing but oh I, yeah. I could probably still do it i could play a fish probably still too i do love the idea of killing and eating an animal like like finding your own food in that way i think that's it's an amazing concept and i've been able to be a part of that a couple times but like actually butchering yeah. or skinning is it's it's, I'm, I'm a it's hard for me do you guys read do you are you book guys or i am yeah have you read sapiens i have not so it's about and it's about the history of uh, mankind and how we moved around and the things that we did and wh- when man started walking tall and why so he could see more of his prey yeah. like, that's why the first man stood up so he could see farther so he could, it's pretty fascinating when you talk wow. about this and it's you know it talks about th- these cultures that um, you know they, ju- we, they just moved around there really wasn't a home you mm-hmm. migrated like place nomads. to place yeah it was very nomadic all of it was but anyway that's a whole other whole other podcast yeah I'm pretty much like for being a country boy I am we're so country. We literally are from the middle of nowhere. But for whatever reason, I'm pretty wussy when it comes to that kind of like manly man uh, hunting. You look the part, though. Man with your muscles. Fake and it. Your, your chin. <laughs> I did bring my chin along. He did bring his chin. <laughs> his chin. Well, listen, you guys are definitely, you're definitely country. Like, the only thing not that country about you would be probably Brad's hairdo. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. pretty fancy. You know what I mean? Fancy hair. Yeah. A little, little gel in there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, it's so uncomfortable. It's just right lard. Now. It's just lard from the neighbors. Hey, whatever it yeah. takes. It's all organic. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys have to do next. You know, I'm, I'm fans of you guys. You guys are actually fun to be around. Are you going to be on the, on uh, like any tour dates anytime soon? Are you on the road? I'm doing stand-up the rest of the year. All the way till the end of December, mid-December. Ah. Um... Maybe our puzzle. We're doing the Old Dominion thing all the way till December. Are you fifteenth? We don't so. end up in comedy clubs very often, but it could happen. Performing. I don't either. I do theaters. Bam. See, Boom. Clubs. <laughs> Come on, don't insult me. You just. That's what I meant. You just insult. That's me. what I said. This interview just. Got I meant deleted. like the biggest clubs you can imagine. <laughs> biggest, coolest, and with the nicest people too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Funniest me. people. Don't insult me. Um, hey, Curtis did say that we should wear red jogging suits to this interview. You know, let me say care. this about planned shows, by the way. Not to digress from your m- mediocre joke. Um, <laughs> did I just tell a joke? No, he did. Oh. With the red jogging suits. Yeah, oh, no, that, that was yeah. truth. He did say well, that. Well, then it was his joke. I forget that we've played shows together. Yeah. yeah. And we've played... We opened Watershed. Fire. That's right. The, you guys played right before us. The most beautiful yeah. festival in the you world. You were wearing a red jumpsuit, right? Yeah, I wear red. And Eddie wears green, and the rest of the band wears black. I wear red everything. Like that's yeah. just, that's my thing because like I'm it. OCD about. Clothes. I wore black sneakers to fit in with your red ones. Oh, dude, that's so cool. Thanks. I wore flip flops today. Is that okay? It's the first interview I've ever done in flip flops. I'm not wearing pants, so who cares? You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, <laughs> the end of the table. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, this just got real. But I think now you guys are probably. You think you guys will play later than us now? Or no? Oh, Still that's such an awkward question, man. Oh, <laughs> well, if what you, time are we talking about? Well, we, we would. If play, I'm talking to my booking agent right now, then yes. If I'm talking to you, no. No, I mean, we would play the the five thirty or six p.m. spots on a festival, which is right when it's getting dark. A pretty good spot, like the third from the last. Yeah, you know. The, See, the, we'd probably play the exact same. We'd probably play on different days because we're always third from the last right now. It's us, then whoever's almost the headliner, and then the headliner. Because for us, it was us, then Old Dominion, and then like Luke. Yeah. Or someone like that. Yesterday was us, Chris Jansen, and then Chris Young. So there you go. We never wrote Buy Me a Boat or else we would have been later. Mm. I wonder if they'd put us ahead of you. 
or behind you. Probably behind. What would what happens if you next a, summer we'll find out. What happens if your agent calls and says, "Hey, y- y'all are on at four fifteen high valleys on." You're not doing any festivals this year. The raging idiots don't exist anymore. Oh, yeah, I no, take that back. No, no, no. I'm wrong. We we are playing two. We're playing. The first one we ever played, we got booed off the stage. It was just Eddie and myself, and it was a fist fight. <laughs> what? It, it was in uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, a frontier day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it was brutal. Cheyenne is intense, It man. was intense. We didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We had just started. We weren't even red jumpsuits yet. We were up there, just two dudes. It was like when you were still ugly, too? Yes, I was super ugly, right? <laughs> Before I went through my glow up. I'm right? literally yeah. going to call Lindsay after this and be like, so what is this whole disappearing and getting pretty thing? I want to know about it. And I think she was just one... <laughs> of the many voices that were like, oh, those dudes, they've been around for a while, but now they're like good looking and stuff. So, uh, so maybe we wore too many like Gap t-shirts back in the day. That's probably what happened. What's awesome is Brad started working out a number of years ago and now people think we're the really fit band. And I, <laughs> I haven't changed anything. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad. The front man though sets the tone. Yeah. Guilty by association. Have you guys played Cheyenne before? Yeah, we're playing it again coming up the Outlaw Saloon. Mm. It's smoking inside. Wow! Yeah, that's intense. It's kind of it's kind of like a little club. Yeah, it is, yeah. I don't play. We don't play. You know, even the yeah. raging idiots want to do little clubs. You know, yeah, we're playing. Yeah. We're playing. Okay, get this. We're only doing two shows. We're playing the outdoor stage at iHeartRadio Music Festival. Heard of it? It's us and Dustin Lynch and like Lil Uzi, yeah. right? And like a bunch of rappers. Who knows? And then um, we're playing Cheyenne Frontier Days, but we're, we're we're playing the second from the last. Who's last? Well, here's the thing. Garth. No, no. Huh. but it's it's really not going to be our crowd. So it's one. I like Cheyenne a lot, and our show is number one there. But if you're going to come to Frontier Days to watch Toby Keith, who's playing, who's the main uh, act, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're probably not a big Raging Idiots fan. By the way, there probably aren't a lot of Raging Idiots fans, as in just fans. We have like 30 songs. We have Chick-fil-A, but it's Sunday. I love that one. We have Namaste, <laughs> you know? Yeah, we don't have a bunch of songs. We just do funny shows. But yeah, it's Toby <clears> Keith <throat> is the headliner. We played it before him, and then uh, Ned Ledoux plays. So it's yeah. a cowboy night. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty cowboy. Are you going to do your whole, what they said you needed to do in Nashville, the belt buckle and the cowboy hat? No, we're wearing the jumpsuits. We stay true to who we are. <laughs> that's we good. You got to be who you are, man. And if you're authentic and you're good... That's the recipe. We're just not good. What was the other thing? Don't kill. Uh, don't kill animals or kids. Exactly. No, it's I think it was hurt. Listen, we've spent an hour. Hour. How long we? Did, how long has it been? An hour ten. That's a long time. Okay. That's a long time. What's typical? Not this long. Cool. Yeah. If you hit the hour mark, it's pretty solid. Yeah. So you did an hour and ten. I lost track. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys do next. I like you guys. You guys are fun. Thanks, Thanks man. man. And you guys are. I, I got to ask a lot of questions that I wanted to know in this. So I feel like next time when you come on the show, I already know a lot of the answers. So we don't have to spend 10 minutes going. We probably don't even have to show up. No, yeah. I'll just tell your story. Yeah. We're like, hey, they were going to come in. But instead, <laughs> I'm going to tell you everything I know about them and play their song. Uh, All right. So hi, Valley. Uh, thank you for, uh, for coming in. What episode is this, Mike? Thank 128. you. 128. Episode 128 from High Valley. And uh, we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody.